Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And we're back. Robert Zubrin back with us, president of Pioneer Astronautics and the Mars Society, as well as a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy. Robert has studied and researched in the fields of aerospace and energy. He has a Ph.D. as well. His latest book is called The Case for Space. And Robert, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me back. How have you been? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. The new book is coming out tomorrow. So our timing is perfect for this. Yes, it is. And I noticed in one of the releases, we had a little quote from Buzz Aldrin, who's all excited about this. He's he's still out there doing his thing, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is the one astronaut who didn't just, uh, you know, take his Apollo grandeur as a career move and move on to the board of something. This guy wants us to become a spacefaring species. He stayed in the trenches, didn't he? Yep. He really did. And uh, I ran into him, uh, I was on the Larry King show years ago with him as one of the guests as well. And he's just a, just a nice guy. You know, you, you think he's Mr. Tuffy all the time when you hear that story about he punching out that fellow who told him, swear on a Bible that you went to the moon and stuff like that. But he's, he's a decent, nice American, and it was proud to meet him. It really was. Yep. I'm the, proud to know him. The case for space. Tell me about this. Well, uh, the case for space, the subtitle is How the Revolution in Spaceflight Opens Up a Future of Limitless Possibility. So that's the thesis of the book. It starts with the revolution in spaceflight, which is going on now, and it is a revolution. Uh, You know, of course, the most prominent example is Elon Musk, Mm -hmm. SpaceX company, Um, you know, in February of last year, they had the first flight of the Falcon Heavy. Now, this thing, um, in 2010, Norm Augustine predicted for President Obama that a heavy lift vehicle would take 12 years to develop and $36 billion. SpaceX did it in six years for less than $1 billion. Wow. To cap it all, it's three-quarters reusable. And he has lowered the price of space launch by a factor of five over the past 10 years. Now, that's also something, because, see, look, you know, space technology advanced very rapidly from Sputnik in 1957 to the moon landing, 1969. Okay, in that period, we developed pretty much the whole bag of tricks, the the launch vehicles, in-space life support, spacecraft, deep space communication, navigation, re-entry technology, space rendezvous technology, spacesuits, everything, okay? But then there's been stagnation. That is, for example, the cost of space launch didn't drop a penny from 1970 to 2010. So for we had, you know, 12 years of very rapid progress, followed by 40 years of stagnation. But then over the past 10 years, SpaceX, first by introducing the Falcon 9 as a cheaper launch vehicle, then making it reusable, making it much cheaper still, then the Falcon Heavy, making it even cheaper. They have reduced the cost of space launch by a factor of five. And now they're working on this thing they call the Starship. It's not a Starship like the Enterprise. It doesn't go to the stars. But it is a fully reusable heavy lift launch vehicle, and it'll probably cut the cost of space launch down by another factor of five. So, you know, and, and but even more than that, what Musk has done is proven a point. It's proven that it is possible for a well-led, 
lean entrepreneurial team to do things that it was previously thought that only the governments of superpowers could do. And not only that, do it in half or one-third the time at one-tenth or one-thirtieth the cost. And as a result of that, they have sparked an entrepreneurial space race because other people are looking at that and saying, I want to do that too. I'm going to get into this game. And you've got not only other billionaires like Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson doing it, you have working engineers, middle-class people who are getting investments behind them of $100 million, $200 million, $300 million, and, and starting their own launch companies. And, and Amazing. people from countries that don't even have space programs, like New Zealand has not the government of New Zealand, but a private company in New Zealand. And New Zealand's Rocket. never had a space program, has it? Yes. Well, they've reached orbit now. But not the government, a private company. Right, right. And the, the, so this is happening. There's one in Ukraine. There's five in China. And, the, 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 and, and they're going for it. And they're going to be competing with each other. And they're going to be knocking the price down ever more. They're going to be introducing new technologies. You, you know, you have much more creativity going on here. And by reducing the cost of space launch, it's going to mean that there's going to be a lot more space launches, which also means there's going to be a lot more new technologies tried on the space spacecraft side, and with the cost of the launch going down, the spacecraft designers are not going to have to be so conservative. They're not going to always say, well, I'm not going to use anything that hasn't been used before, which has basically been what people said for the past 40 years, um, which, of course, leads to complete stagnation. They say, let's try something new here. Let's, this looks better. Let's, let's give this a try. We can take a chance. And as a result of that, the spacecraft technology is going to start racing ahead. So, um, you know, there was, you know, the ancients, you know, um, and then there was the Dark Age, and now we're in the Renaissance. Here. Yeah, we are. Uh, what about countries like Russia and China? Will they continue to push through, through their governments, their space programs, or will privatization take over in those countries too? Well, in all these places, as there is here, there will always remain this government bureaucracy space program and its allied corporations and uh to and and they will be an obstacle to innovation but uh if in order to keep up they're going to have to let the cat out of the bag uh because these sorts of organizations simply cannot keep up and i was in china a month ago and I was invited to witness a space launch by an entrepreneurial space company. Private company. Private Chinese That's company. Right. Okay. That's right. And they, um, now this was not a launch that went all the way to space. They, uh, they, this was on the outskirts of a seaside town in Shandong province. It's on the coast. And um, they launched this rocket up about 100 feet. And it the wind was blowing like 20 knots. NASA would not have launched in this wind. But they launched, and they went up about 100 feet, and they hovered there completely motionless despite the wind, and then they brought it back down to land exactly in the center of the launch pad. Wow. It was, it was a tour de force. And, the, uh, and uh, it was a very young team. The CEO of this company is 26 years old. Uh, and the expertise they demonstrated was remarkable. Where'd they get their money? 
Well, um, the CTO of Alibaba, which is... Oh, that's like the Amazon of uh, China. China. He was there. So so I guess that's where they're getting their money. He must have been the money person, indeed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in China, you know, they have their own version. They have Alibaba instead of Amazon. They have their own version of Uber. They have their own version of Apple Pay. They have their own version of Google. It's like a parallel universe. But anyway, (laughs) Alibaba... They copy everything we do, right? They do. Uh, And now they're copying reusable space launch vehicles. Um, now, so now I know Russia, uh, I know there are people in Russia that want to do it, but the problem in Russia is the government is such a bunch of crooks that anyone who would start their own SpaceX would have to be afraid that someone in the Kremlin would steal it from them. Steal or get greased or something like that. They'd want some money doing the deal. So, So if Russia wants to play this game, they're going to have to reform. Robert, let me ask you a dark question as we get into this incredible story that you've written, of course, The Case for Space, the book that comes out uh, in, in, the, in the morning. It, what about the possibilities of all these private companies worldwide that are getting into this, that are launching rockets or will have the potential to launch rockets, to also have the potential to launch a nuke? And we don't know who it is, where they are, but it could happen. Is that a danger? I don't think so. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, well, first of all, you've got to have it the nuke. Uh, and nukes are very much the possession of, of governments. Um, so, so far. The, 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 yeah. So, you know, um, and it's just not in the interest of a private company to launch a nuke. Uh, and... No, I I don't think that's what this is about, and uh, I actually think that, as as I explain in the book and one of the later chapters, I think the opening of the space frontier will do more to prevent war than almost anything else, because what it will do is refute the fundamental idea that caused the catastrophes of the 20th century, which is that there isn't enough to go around, that there's only so much here, and sooner or later we're going to have to fight over it. I mean, you know, that is the underlying idea that sent Germany against Russia in the First World War and the Second, and, you know, let's take them out now before they develop, because sooner or later we're going to have to fight them. And right now, uh, there is the hazard of such a situation developing between the U.S. and China. You know, there's these planners in Washington look at China and they say, if these guys all develop, they'll all have cars, there won't be enough oil in the world, we have to stop it. The Chinese looking at the situation from the other side of the chessboard thinking the same thing about us. But it's all nonsense. We open up the universe, there's infinite resources, and and and... And and the fact that the Chinese are going to be competing with us in this, uh, I think, is healthy. It, 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 you know, it, it, in the 60s, you know, the Cold War was deep, but, you know, the space race had a certain camaraderie to it. You know, mm-hmm. we, and the Russians were playing. Well, a, there was a challenge to it, too. There was a challenge. You know, I was in Leningrad when we landed on the moon, and the Russians I knew would, you know, they punch me on the shoulder. they say, Maladets, which is like, that a boy, you know, it's like we had excelled in a sport that they respected. They know? were happy. They and, were happy. Well, they were. I mean, I'm sure the leaders were not happy, but the regular people were They're delighted. excited about and, it, for sure. Yeah, and, um, you know, so, uh, and, 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 
you know, this new space race, it's going to make it possible not just to go to the moon and Mars, but to go ever more cheaply so that it won't just be a government stunt. It will be opening a frontier. It will make possible colonization, settlement, the development of new branches of human civilization in these places. This is a, 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 a grand future that, that, that's being opened up here. I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you what I think, George. I think that 500 years from now, the vast majority of the human race will not be living on Earth. There will still be billions of people on Earth, but we're going to be on thousands of other planets, too, orbiting stars in this region of the galaxy. And when they look back at this time, you know what they're going to think? They're going to think this is the beginning of history. We're present to the creation. Well, we might be living on Mars if they ever terraform the place, huh? Yeah, well, that too. Um, But, you know, um, this... Uh, you know, this point that Musk has made that the entrepreneurs can do this kind of stuff that uh, it was thought that only superpowers could do, this has spread to other fields. We're having an entrepreneurial race let loose in fusion power because people, you know, fusion power is one of these things like cheap space launch that was always going to be in the future and never came around. People start looking at this and saying, maybe the problem here is like cheap space launch. Maybe it wasn't fundamentally a technical problem. Maybe it was an institutional problem. And you're getting fusion power startups now that are getting funded the $200 million, $500 million. We're going to have an entrepreneurial, we already have it now, a fusion power race. And this is going to create unlimited energy, and it's going to create new kinds of space propulsion systems that will make it possible not only to get to Mars much faster, but will ultimately make possible interstellar travel. Robert, we've got Elon Musk's SpaceX. Jeff Bezos has Blue Origin. Which one do you think is ahead? Well, right now, SpaceX is ahead. Um, the, uh, the, there's no question about that. I mean, the Blue Origin has not even reached orbit yet. SpaceX, you know, last year took over a quarter of the entire world market of space launches, and, and really more than half if you consider the fact that the other half was in Russia and China and was walled off from competition. Right. Uh, the, 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 um, now it's, it's a tortoise and a hare deal here. Musk is much more aggressive. He skates closer to the edge of the ice, takes chances, and he pushes like mad. All right. Now here's the thing. Bezos is moving slow and steady and he has much larger resources than Musk. Um, I would estimate he's maybe six to ten times richer than Musk. I mean, Russ... And, and he probably still has access to other capital, too. Well, yes. Now, so the, the issue is this, okay? The Blue Origin's great strength is that they have unlimited funds. Their greatest weakness is that they have unlimited funds. Because if you have unlimited funds, you have unlimited time, or you think you do. Mm-hmm. And whereas Musk understands... He's got to watch the bottom line. That's right. And in aerospace, cost is people times time. So the faster you get something done, the cheaper it is. And therefore, he is in a hurry. Bezos is not in a hurry. He's going to take less chances. But I think he needs to pick up the pace if he, if he wants to catch Musk.
Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.